Hey everybody, welcome to the Friday edition of Winners and Winers Radio, TGIF everyone. Hey, how are you doing? I hope you're doing well. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. So, what's up, Scott? How'd you, how was your day? Overall, fine. Uh, ended up cashing an afternoon game with the Angels and Orioles over. Thank you, Baltimore, for scoring 13 runs. Other than that, really not much else to talk about you. Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. We uh, had the uh, we're still still recovering from that Wednesday night Dodgers game. Man, that was. I, I technically cashed that game yesterday. Right. It ended at what felt like 5 a.m. Yeah. Well, that was actually pretty pretty darn close to it. What was it? 4:30. Give or take. Eastern time. Yeah, that was. That was a long game. It was a lot of fun. We were watching that. And of course, just about everybody we knew was up watching that game on Twitter. I think you and I hang in some D-Gen circles for sure. A lot of gamblers on Twitter. A lot of gamblers on Twitter at four in the morning. A lot of fun. And it ended up, we ended up being on the right side of it. I feel bad for our buddy over at Winners and Winers. Dave the Dominator had the under in that game. And you knew, is that, I don't know, is that the worst beat of all time? No, because he got a push out of it, didn't he? Yeah, he did get a push out of it. He had it at eight, so... Could have been worse. It absolutely could have been worse. But that was one of those ones I think we call a push loss. Where it seems like you had a winner and then I yeah. And then you didn't. So yeah. Well, let's be real. Once Tatis of the two run homer, you knew his under was absolutely done for. Absolutely. No no question about it. And by the way, you guys, we got a fun show coming up for you. We're gonna finish up our college football preview series, taking a look. At the SEC, you didn't think we forgot about the SEC, did you? The SEC won't let me be. Let me be me. So we'll take a look and see how many teams are going to knock off Alabama this year. Should be a lot of fun. We'll be doing that a little bit later. Of course, we'll be coming to you with our Bet the Farm plan. I don't want to give too much away, but it's going to be our first college football Bet the Farm play of the season. Scott, are you ready for college football? To some degree. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are ready. And then you look at the actual matchups on Saturday and suddenly you realize, you know, I can actually wait a couple more days, but hopefully some of the games are entertaining. I'm sorry. We've also would have accepted. Hell yes, I'm ready. We haven't had football for six months. So that would have also been an acceptable answer. So we'll get to it. We're going to talk. We're going to talk a lot of football and I feel like we're going to talk a lot of football going forward. So let's, let's get her rolling, Scott. Let's get her rolling the way we always do with the Friday edition of the people that maybe didn't have such a fortunate time. You took it in the shorts. I think I know what one of them is going to be because your team, well, let's just say it's, it let us down. Scott, these are the people. You know who you are. You take that beat. You take it in the shorts. You go 1-1 one, one into the 13th inning. You think you got that over-crushed or that under-crushed, and you don't. It's all about getting ripped off and calling the cops. All right, let's get the proceedings rolling, shall we? Yeah, the Cardinals money line playing the Pirates. The Pirates, are they are terrible, Scott. And of course, they played like it for the first part of this game because the Cardinals led 7-1 to one in the top of the third inning. The Pirates, well, they didn't do much until the seventh. And then that vaunted Pirates offense put up a snowman, Scott. Eight runs. In the seventh, Cardinals end up losing that one, eleven to seven. And if you're if you're keeping track at home, that's right. It means they scored no runs for the last six innings of the game. 
oftentimes that'll jump up and bite you, even against the Pirates, and that's what happened there. If you had the Cardinals, God bless you. You had a loser. Call the cops. And looking at the second one, if you had the Yankees minus half a run in the first five, I hate this you were in great shape because the Yankees led six to nothing in the top of the third. Then Oakland scored two runs in the bottom of the third, three runs in the fourth, but you're still good because the Yankees are up six to five. All you need to do is avoid a home up. Nope, Harrison hit it out of the yard. So ended up being six to six after five. If you had the money line with the Yankees, you pushed, which is also brutal. But if you had minus a half, your team blew a six-run lead in about three innings. I hate that team so much. I, just, I don't blame you. You know, I, I know they won 11 straight, and I and I told you this while we were watching the game, getting ready for the show. I don't I, – I, they just do nothing when I watch them, Scott. I am the kiss of death with those Yankees. So, with that being said, let's take a look at the last game on the board. <laughs> we may be talking about these guys a little bit later, too. It's the Angels-Orioles, Scott. Hugh had first five under six. You're in great shape. Baltimore's the home team. It was one nothing heading into the bottom of the fifth. All you have to do, I want to, I want to stress this. All you have to do is keep the Orioles from scoring five runs or more in the bottom of the fifth. That doesn't seem like a tall order, Scott, because I don't think they've had five runs very many games over that losing stretch, that they, losing streak that they were able to get rid of on Wednesday, but. They saved it all up for this one, baby, because the bottom of the fifth, you couldn't get the Orioles to stop scoring when the smoke had cleared and they'd stopped running around the bases. They had scored six times. And if you had under six, you'll notice that six plus one is more than that. And you, my friends, can call the cops. Definitely a pretty weird way to end an afternoon game when you have money on the under because you for some reason think that Aiken and Berea are going to deal and Aiken was actually dealing and you still found a way to loss to lose Keegan Aiken dealing words that have probably never been spoken in the same sentence before so until today until today well Scott the opposite these are the people that night had a nice easy win no fifth inning heroics no extra inning shenanigans, just nice, easy victories where you can sit back, sip your lemonade, and enjoy the show because you were sitting in the rocking chair. So the first one was a total between the White Sox and the Blue Jets. If you had the over eight and a half, you didn't really have to watch much of the game because they had nine runs in the first five. And since you play in Toronto again, there's a dome. So you don't have to worry about weather. It's just a matter of when they're going to finish the game. And they ended up totaling 17 runs. So if you had the over eight and a half, it was a nice, easy winner. Very good indeed. If you had the Red Sox on the run line against the Minnesota Twins, never a doubt about this one. They led four to zip after three innings. They led 10 to two after six, and they ended up winning that one 12 to two. I don't know if Boston is back, but I do know Minnesota is terrible. You had a nice, easy Bo Sox rocking chair game. And the last one was between the Rangers and the Indians. If you had the over nine and a half, once again, done very, very quickly. You had four runs in the first, two runs in the second, two runs in the third, and then four runs in the fourth. Checking the math, that's already 12 runs, and you're through about a third of the game, and the game ended 10 to 6. So you had a nice, easy winner, never in doubt. Mm, Very good. Very good indeed. All right, my friend. Well, let's take a look. I told you we'd get back to these guys. Let's find out who the donkey of the day is, Scott. This is a 
I like I like the pick here. I really do. We really you can't give it to anybody else. Let's see. I hope we made a lot of them because it's an entire team that you're going to have to award the golden feedback to. It is time once again for the Friday edition of Donkey of the Day. All right, buddy. Take it away. So the donkey of the day usually involves a player doing something stupid, maybe off the field, something like that. But this is a pure donkey of the day because of on-field product. And the Los Angeles Angels, not only did the Orioles a solid by helping them snap their 19-game losing streak by blowing a lead yesterday, they came back today and really seemed motivated to get back on track because they hit a solo home run to lead off the game and then gave up 13 unanswered runs to the Orioles. The donkey of the day is going to be the Angels because they lost a series to the Orioles. Now, that sounds very simple. You know, you win and lose series every now and then. They went from losing 19 straight to winning a series against you, and this team thought that Joe Madden was going to lead the Angels to the promised land. And to put it into perspective, besides the 19-game losing streak that's no longer a thing, the Orioles had not won a series since July 23rd to July 25th against the Nationals. So it's the first time they've won a series in about a month, and the Angels just decided, you know what, if we're not going to make the playoffs, why are we even trying to beat the bad teams? Brutal. Absolutely brutal. And they had... Probably my favorite matchup of the whole series today. You had Otani against. That was, yeah, that was, sorry, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was yeah. no. Yesterday you had uh, you had Aiken against. Um, who was Berea. it? Oh, that's right, Aria. Uh, Berea. They're both bad, but the point is, Aiken is a guy who we know is awful. He had no wins. I believe he was and into the start, and then he gives up a solo home run. You think, all right, Aiken's probably gonna get shelled again. Suddenly you're looking up and it's the seventh inning and you somehow still only have one run. There's no excuse to get outscored 23 to seven over the last two games against a beyond terrible Baltimore team. Not pretty. Los Angeles Angels, you thought you were going to be a factor this year. You're not. And you are unquestionably the well-deserved donkey of the day. All right, let's get to the other one here. This is, you know what? It's, it's going to be an opportunity for us to uh, pat ourselves on the back one more time because we talked about it the last couple of days. It came through again. Deja vu. Deja vu all over again, baby. Hey, let's find out which of the odds makers, Scott, were drinking a little too much today. I think they were overserved because there was at least one game where the odds makers were definitely drunk. You, you know, want to do the honors? I will. This is, uh, this is a game that we talked about where... The, it's, it involves the Giants and the Mets. Of course, the Mets are redefining playing bad baseball right now. They have lost 10 of their last 12. And yet, Scott, the Giants going into this game were minus 114 against the Mets. I believe they had won the first two games of this series without a, a lot of problems. And I just don't understand, once again, why we'll say it louder for the people in the back. The best team in baseball is consistently undervalued almost every day. And they were certainly undervalued in every game in this series. Minus 114 over the Mets. Scott, that seems like a pretty good play. How'd it work out? Giants won again, three to two. 
Giants won again, three to two. Once again, you look at the pitching matchup and you, and you get caught up and you and you look and you're like, well, you know, I just don't know about the, the uh, they send out what they send out uh, Alex Ka- uh, Alec uh, Wood today, right? They sent out Alex Wood. Yeah, who'd been ba- who'd been bad. Wood has been it's Alex Wood. Who, who's yeah, he's okay, but you look at who the Mets send out and it's Carrasco, right? And you realize that even though you don't exactly like Wood, he's probably the better starting pitcher in this matchup. Yeah. Carlos Carrasco had been pretty much awful for his starts, you know, since he came back this season. So, and I'll defend him a bit because Carrasco was actually decent yesterday. But the point is, just conceptually, the Giants, for some reason, I don't know if they insulted the odds maker's mother or something, but they're just disrespected every single game that they play. Yeah, yeah, they started off well. They came, they came out and put up two in the top of the first, and you're like, yeah, here we go again. And then they kind of went in the tank and ended up letting the Mets tie them in there in the sixth. But they were able to break through against the, the Mets bullpen and late in the game, put up one in the eighth. That's all they needed because the Mets team not hitting the baseball at all. San Francisco, better team, minus 114. Here's your bags of money. You're stealing again because the odds makers, I don't know what's wrong with you guys, but you're definitely drunk. Um, yep. Yeah, it's a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing, Scott. That is, that is just a, a ton of value because going forward, you're going to find a lot of baseball matchups where the numbers just keep getting increasingly big uh, mm-hmm. when you when you have good teams against bad teams. And I guess the Mets still have enough juice. They've got they've got that New Jersey money behind them, you know. And everybody's like, oh, the Mets have to pull out of it sooner or later. Nobody believes in the Giants. They're that West Coast team. Nobody ever watches them play because you know the Dodgers are always on. And yep, all they do is go out there and win, 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 baby. I think all the Mets money went to Lindor. How's he doing, Scott? I hear he's close to coming back. Uh, he did come back. Unfortunately for Mets fans, uh, he's bad. Definitely oh, not worth the amount of money that they gave oh, him. That's right. he came I'm back. still shocked he got paid. He came back for this one. One, one for five, Scott, hitting a robust uh, 224 this season. I think Lindor was an okay player, but when they signed him, I just thought that that was a crazy contract that you should only give to basically Tatis. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Tatis would have been a uh, probably a significant upgrade at the at least as far as the bat goes, Lindor's slick fielding shortstop. But yep. yep. Okay. There you go. Well, quick reminder to everybody that you are listening to a Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. And that's what we're going to do today. Don't forget, we are going to take a look at the SEC here in just a minute. But uh, Scott, speaking of college football, Pac 12 had an announcement yesterday. They said they're not going to be expanding the conference at this time. They think basically that the alliance that they just entered into with the ACC and the Big Ten is going to give them that exposure. It's going to take them into different time zones. It's going to open up the rest of the country and let the, let everybody know how great the Pac-12 is. So I think they're kind of trying to have their cake and eat it too. They don't want to. They want those viewers. They want those time zones and those eyes on their product. But they don't want to split up their pie, Scott. They like their they like their pie the way it is. They don't want to give any extra, and I think they want to have their pie and eat it too. If I can mix a metaphor, uh, if you don't mind. So, is this going to work? Are they are they going to be able to get away with it, or at some point, are you going to have to expand the Pac-12? I think it could work because the Pac-12 is still considered a Power Five, even though we all know it's probably the weakest for football. The alliance, I still don't fully know what that even means because it's a handshake agreement, which I heard is stronger than Oak. So we'll see how that works itself out. But 
it all sounds good. But then again, if you want to just say anything you want with no written agreement attached to it, how much stock can I actually put into what you're saying? Some of our teams are going to play some of your teams at some point somewhere. So enjoy it. And we're all going to make money. We're all going to make money. That's right. That's what it, that's yep. what it's all about. So, of course, the team on the outside looking in, kind of trying to peer through the windows. Say, well, what are you guys doing? You having some? Ooh, having some cake. I like cake. It's the Big Twelve. I mean, what are they? What? what what's the? What does that mean for the future of the Big Twelve after Oklahoma and Texas go to the SEC? Scott, who we uh, are? It there? reminds me of the Geico commercial with uh, the bear sighting and it turns out to be Yogi bear yeah. and he's trying to go through and, and he's trying to steal all the cobblers and everything. Right. It's like the big 12s trying to show up to have something and then everyone else just runs away. Yeah. Like they just want nothing to do with the big 12. Where, where are you guys going? The thing is the big 12 is geographically wouldn't even be a good fit with the pac 12. If they would have some type of merger or something, like, I just don't it's, know how that would work time zone wise. It's it's a better fit than any other conference. It's, it's a better fit than either conference in the alliance. You That's know, fair. You've got you've got you've the, got everybody on you've got everybody on Central Time except for West Virginia. I, I think if you yeah. were going to hypothetically expand the Pac-12, it would have to be the Mountain West, just purely for just regional standpoint. But but they don't want it. They don't want to stay regional. They they want to the expand. That's the point. Is no. But I'm saying I understand they want to expand. I'm saying to expand to some degree without completely rocking the time zones for every team traveling. I think the Mountain West is a way that you can kind of get a hybrid of both. But you're talking about huge expansion. It sounds better than I think it's actually going to be because it might sound okay. But we've talked in the NFL before about how when teams travel from the east coast to the west coast or vice versa teams tend to struggle when they're on the air when they're in the airline for that long and they're traveling across i don't really know how that's supposed to work out but to go back to your question with the big 12 they're gonna have to get creative there's really nothing else to say everything's pure speculation i don't know what you would do if you're the big 12 besides maybe reach out to either a couple independents or even the aac like i don't know what you're supposed to do yeah, I think we talked about a little bit about that yesterday, and I think that's the natural partner is is the AAC because they used to be, once upon a time, the remnants of that conference used to be a Power Six conference, which was the Big East. That's when that's when UConn was going to bowl games. Remember that? Uh, that's when Syracuse is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Syracuse was, was a good team as well. So, yeah, I, I think that's their partner. I, I, think, it's, I think it's kind of cute that you think the Pac-12 is concerned about whether these kids are flying across two or three time zones that they're putting their, the, uh, the, the comfort and, uh, Oh no, they don't uh, care uh, at all their from students a business perspective, first. but I think you would agree the product that you might end up getting as a result of that or a byproduct of it would probably be some really ugly football for players traveling across the country. I don't dispute that. I just don't think they're factoring that in. I don't Oh think, no, they a hundred percent don't care. I'm just making sure we're on the same page that, it would probably have some serious drawbacks that people are not talking about in terms of jet lag. Yeah. I, oh, I totally, I totally agree with that because you know, there's some teams that are notorious, uh, bad travel teams. You know, the rate, the Raiders don't travel well. Uh, the Seahawks, um, if I remember right, aren't they one of the ones that travel like extremely well that, that beat the odds when they go yes, on the road? But then again, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have beaten the odds ever since they've been in the league. That's right. That's absolutely correct. So, 
Stay tuned because there's going to be more a coming on that. You can pretty much, if you bet on nothing else, you can you can bet on that. So, so Scott, they did the uh, they they do this thing through ESPN. They call it the All State. Um, what is the All State Playoff Predictor, where they give each team's chances to reach the college football playoff. They say eight teams have a chance, Scott. Of course, it's the four usual suspects, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State, with Georgia, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and, I'm sorry, Texas thrown in there. Where do you come down on that, buddy? I don't know who gave Texas their percentage, but you might want to reevaluate the formula on that one. I get the idea might be if Oklahoma doesn't win the big 12 and maybe you need somebody to represent them. I think Iowa state has a better chance than Texas. I agree. I, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of unknowns with Texas. You've got a new coach, you've got a new quarterback, you've got a new philosophy on defense. So I also don't know what it means when it comes to the, does the predictor assume that they're going to win these games or is it solely based on the projected schedule they have if they would run the table, et cetera, because Notre Dame's win total, as we mentioned before, is eight and a half. How do you have roughly a 10% chance of making the playoff? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily understand that because they don't no, even have a conference title game. Notre Dame. Okay, so and these are these are teams, by the way, these eight teams have at least a 10% chance. All right. So I'm trying to see if there's any value anywhere. Because even Notre Dame to make the playoffs is like six to one. Notre Dame to make the playoffs percentage-wise, should be like 3%. They have no conference title game to boost their actual resume. They have a really difficult schedule, and they also had a bunch of players leave. You have a transfer quarterback replacing Ian Book and Jack Cohen, and we talked about Notre Dame before. Their win total is 8.5. How is your win? How is your playoff percentage with no conference title game, I'll repeat again for the fourth time, over 10%. That should be like 4%. Agreed. Well, and the, and the odds... Like I said, are uh, are six to one. I think there's there's no value there. I would I would consider playing the no at minus a thousand, Scott. Well, we can't talk about the SEC teams on the list because we're about to talk about them in a little while. So I'll save my opinions for A and M, for Georgia, and for Bama. The other ones I think are standard. I mean, Clemson should. Oklahoma has a shot, but I know both of us are down on Rattler. Ohio State should, but Texas get out of here. Notre Dame, in my opinion, get out of here. I think Iowa State should at least have their name mentioned on the list, but it's a pretty top-heavy situation going on in college football right now. Yeah, I agree. And they've kind of got them. They've kind of got them separated into tiers. With all, where's Oregon? With obviously the uh, well, and they've got Oregon in. Uh, let's see here. They've they've got Oregon in like the second tier with Notre Dame. Okay. I think Oregon should have a higher chance than Notre Dame. Well, let's see what, let's see what it looks like here. Um, I also don't know what it means when both teams, Georgia and Clemson have over a 10% chance when they might eliminate each other in the first game of the season. Right. Right. That's what I was going to talk about. That's, that's a, that's a huge game right there. If can Clemson make the playoff without winning that game? It's really tough because the ACC is brutal. I mean, assu- assuming that Georgia has a great season, maybe loses to Bama, maybe even loses to Bama twice. But see, 
this is why it's the rankings are stupid because you have it's better for you to lose a game early than lose a game late because based on public perception they'll think you're a different team later in the season than the who cares if you're nine and two and the other team's nine and two shouldn't you grade everything equally yeah i would think i would think the head-to-head matchup would pretty much seal the deal right but you know that that's going to be a talking point where it's going to say well Clemson back in September, they didn't know what they were doing, but this team in December yeah. is one of the best. Who cares? Sure. You lost the game. Oh, yeah. They had a new quarterback, a new system, and blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. The plane got delayed, and they got there late. Like, who cares? An old friend came in from out of town. I couldn't get a cab. I swear to God, it wasn't my fault. Pretty much. All right. (laughs) Well, I guarantee you we're going to be talking a little bit more about college football. Now, here's kind of a fun thing. Austin Eckler, running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm, I'm now going to attempt to go a whole day with a whole game without a whole week without seeing San Diego Chargers. Scott, I'm pretty impressed. Austin Eckler is offering a he sign. Though. I'm a, proud of you. He's going to give away a signed jersey every week in a drawing to anybody who started him on their fantasy team and wins their matchup, and then they push the, put their results on social media and uh, tag him either on Instagram or Twitter. So. If it comes down to borderline, obviously, you know, Eckler's not going to be the first guy you draft. But if it comes down to, like, I don't know, Eckler or, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe Montgomery, somebody somebody of that ilk, are you going to lean towards Eckler because of, of the offer? Does it, does it have any effect on you? Well, first of all, just to point out, my personal league has officially converted to PPR. It's the first time we're doing PPR. I know it sounds like we're in the Stone Age, but a lot of my – fellow fantasy owners are kind of conservative and they finally decided to branch out a little bit. So Eckler in a PPR league. Wait, 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 very- let, me, let me, let me, I can, I can top that up until about five years ago, I played in the league and I don't play anymore because you had to go in person and do your lineups. But anyway, they only did touchdowns. So you think you're behind the times I was playing in a touchdown only league. So well, that's, that's just stupid. That's the stone anyway. age there. So go ahead, bud. In, in PPR, Eckler has a ton of value because we know he catches a bunch of passes. In a PPR league, he's probably going second round anyway just because of his upside. Right. I like Eckler. I would target him in the second round if I had the opportunity to. And sure, this is kind of just a sweetener, but I was going to take him if I had the opportunity anyway. I'll take a free jersey with it. Okay. All right. Very good. You? Yeah, I probably I probably would. If it, if it, if it comes down to... I, like you said, I'm not. I'm probably not going to take him in the first round. But you know, if I'm just loading up my lineup, I'm looking for some second tier running backs. You could certainly do worse because he's a guy that's going to get a lot of touches, and I think that he could be a, a breakout star. I think he could be a top hmm, five fantasy running back in PPR if he stays healthy. Got a serious shot. I mean, he's got a very good offense around him. Yep. Yep. He he absolutely does, and that's. That's the question there with him is is always, can you stay healthy? So, yep. hey, let's get rolling here on the SEC because I know we got a lot to get to. So we're gonna we're gonna hit a couple of SEC points before we take the break, so we don't run out of time there on the back end. So I hear this team for the SEC is pretty good. This Alabama team, I they, heard that they like to roll. I the, the tide definitely likes to roll. Scott, they didn't bring back many players this year. Are you concerned? They bring back just four starters on offense 
And how many on defense? They bring back eight starters on defense. 12 of 22 starters return. It's got to be a down year for Alabama, right? I feel like Bama has been through this before. Is that safe to say? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they've had the number one recruiting class in college football two of the last three years. So that is truly a team that doesn't, uh, uh, they just reload. That's all they do. Are we going to? Serious serious point, though. It's two of the last three. If you had a kid who was about to be a freshman in college and he's a five-star recruit, top tier, whatever, and you thought he had a chance to go to the pros, why would you send him anywhere besides Alabama? Because he may not play. Because there's because there's four other kids, five other kids, six other kids on the roster just like him. That's the only reason half the people that that applies to still go to Bama and they transfer after a year. Uh, I understand. I, I get that. So. That's... But that's why. I mean, if you because obviously that's where every five star recruit w- would want to go. But you yep. know, there's only there's only so many footballs, and I would say Alabama it, it probably has two to three deep at most positions that are better than ninety percent of the colleges. Yeah. Would you put up? Would you put up Alabama third string against Vanderbilt, Mizzou, teams like that? Think they'd have a shot? I think they would win. I, I'm more curious about like a second team Alabama versus like a Coastal Carolina. I think that would be more intriguing. Yeah, that that'd, that'd be fun to see. I I want to see Alabama and Coastal Carolina in the in, in national championship game. <laughs> you do for the first quarter, and then the game starts, and then suddenly you regret all the decisions that you made. But my question for you is, since I'm not going to waste much time with Bama, do you think they lose a game? Well, okay. Let's go through. Let's go through it. Let's take a look at their schedule. Um, their non-con schedule. They've got Miami of Florida, and they've got Mercer, and then they have New Mexico State. So there is almost no chance they lose any of those games. Miami of Florida is the first game right out of the box. I think that's going to be one of their tougher tests because this is an Alabama team that doesn't always come out of the box hitting on all 12 cylinders. Sometimes they've only got nine cylinders running. So if Miami is better than we think, if they've got some answers on the defensive side of the ball, that could be a tough game. And of course, they've got, uh, as far as the crossover games this year, they've got Florida, they have Tennessee, and I can't see where the other one, that could be it. They just play two crossover games, is that right? It's not Georgia. It's not. It's not Georgia. That's all that matters. No, it's not. It's not Georgia. I think the only two are Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee and Florida are the only two out of the uh, whatever that is, the West. So, the only game I see them losing would be either at A and M, which I don't think they're going to lose, but I think there's hypothetically a chance, or the SEC title game against Georgia. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, you're probably right. They've got to go to Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Supposedly going to be a good team this year. Sure, I'm just saying that's. I'm I'm just looking for any kind of. Their win total six. They've got they've got LSU at home. Okay. Look ahead line has them twenty point favorite over LSU. Yeah i I wouldn't be surprised to see him run the table. Joe Burrow coming back. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's the only chance LSU has of winning is if Joe Burrow comes back because they. Have no chance to beat Bama. Yeah, this was this is a team. You know, the the stats are everybody as good as you think they would be. They were uh, yeah. the offense was ranked second, defense was ranked thirteenth, um, first and third down conversion, second yards per play, just you know up and down the up and down the board. I honestly I don't see 
I don't see where they get the L, Scott. They, they didn't take one last year, and I don't think they take one this year. Um, I actually think they might lose one. I don't think it's, it's going to be a regular season game, but I do think Georgia can give them something. I just don't think they're going to win the title. Really? I think that there's a team that might beat them in the playoff, but Bama wins a lot. They don't win every, every year. With all of the turnover, I wouldn't be surprised if they suddenly stumble in either the semis or the championship game. Hmm. Okay. So you're thinking about taking kind them, of a hot take. Taking them to not make the playoffs? No, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Oh, okay. I just said I don't think they're going to win the title. Get plus three hundred to not make the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> I'm okay. just they they could hypothetically be undefeated against Georgia, lose to Georgia. And we've seen the committee sneak two SEC teams in anyway, so I'm not going to bother. Yeah, yeah, that's the the nightmare scenario for the Oregon Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, really? Again with these teams? Mm. All right. Uh, quick reminder, guys. Uh, we're going to be right back after this break and continue our look at the SEC. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the second half of Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. All right, Scott. So I think you and I agree that it's going to be. A very So, Scott, last time we were out in Vegas, every time we were trying to have a nice meal, what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner? Are you going to finish that? What? Appetizers, entrees, sides. You're always asking if I was going to finish what I was eating. Okay. Hey, in my defense, you eat slower than a turtle on Xanax. But, okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's winners and winners? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, numbers, numbers. But they don't tell you what they mean, and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott, what's the best part about winners and winners? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwiners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see? That wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I, didn't, I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them, oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there or be square. Alabama. Now you've got a hot take, and you say Georgia ultimately wins the SEC as Alabama loses in the in the SEC championship game, and then you predict they go on to the national or to the college football playoffs and repeat. I 
first of all, didn't say they were officially going to lose to Georgia. I just said Georgia would give them all they could handle. I just don't think Bama's going to go undefeated for the full season. But you said that was the, your hot take. I think there was a lost in there somewhere. Okay. All right. Yeah, my hot take was picking Bam would actually lose a game for once. A fool's errand to try to predict games at the granular level before the first game gets played with these teams yeah. that, that have to reload every year. You know, so until we until you see a game or two and you see what the weaknesses are, what the strengths are, I probably have a I'll probably have a better opinion in about two weeks. But as it stands right now, based on the recruiting and what I know about these teams, I think that Georgia will absolutely give Alabama, as they usually do, um, a run for their money. Now, the question is whether they fade there in the second half or not, as we have seen in the past. But uh, You know what? I'll live a little. Give me Georgia to win the SEC. I'll live a little. Georgia to win the SEC? Look at you. I'll live a little. All it's right. one of those things where Kirby Smart, I know, is a good coach. Always falls short against Saban. But I looked at the overall roster, because you know that's what we were supposed to do for the show today. That team is loaded, that yeah. Georgia team. Yeah, they are. The, the issue is the secondary, which is inexperienced, but they got a great defensive line, a great linebacking core. The wide receiving core is weak because Pickens tore his ACL in spring drills, which is upsetting. But Daniels is a solid quarterback, and White's a very good running back. They have a squad. If the secondary can actually find some consistent pieces from the youngsters, this is easily a top-five team in the country. And we mentioned how much turnovers there with Bama. The team's going to be great because it's Bama. But can we just acknowledge that they lost some historically great players for that program? No question. No question about it. There was a lot of pieces that were very valuable, um, in the re especially at the skill positions, you know. Well, Smith probably had the best season of any college wide receiver ever, for reference. Mm, okay. Not sure. I'd, I'm not sure I'd buy that, but he had a very I mean, good season. He won the Heisman. Yeah. Yeah. He had a very good season. No, yeah. no doubt about it. But. Um, so who do you like? Okay, so you got, you got Georgia coming out of the East. I really don't think... See, that's my problem. I just don't see... I, I hate taking the chalk, Scott, but I don't... There's, no, there's nobody else. I don't know who steps up in that, in that division. I mean, it, it's, it would be Florida if it's going to be anybody, but without Kyle Trask, I don't know, I don't know what they're going to have. And then you, get, then you get to your Kentucky and Mizzou, which, you know, teams that could very well sneak into a bowl game, but I don't think they're going to have anything for Georgia, do you? No, Florida, I actually like their backup quarterback uh, in Emory Jones, who I actually think is pretty good. But Florida's defense was a mess last year, and they lost a couple of pieces. They lost the shoe thrower in Marco Wilson, who was still a pretty good player overall. You also ended up losing Tony, who was easily your best receiver. I think he got some issues and some holes. You lost Pitts, of course, so they have a lot of weapons to replace, which I think is concerning. But it's most of the defense, which I just don't like. That's also why I think Georgia has value to win the SEC because Bama still has to get through Texas A&M and they play at Texas A&M, which is a difficult matchup. I don't want to say Georgia's going to coast, but Georgia should probably comfortably be in a spot to make the SEC title game. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I agree because that's that you know that's the that's the division that Mizzou's in, and there's just there's just nothing there. That's just it's a no. it's a down year. You know, I feel bad. You know who has the toughest schedule in the nation, Scott? I'm assuming it's Vanderbilt. It's Arkansas. Oh, uh, very close. Yeah, it's Arkansas, and I just I, this this Hogs team, man. How are they going to win? Felipe Franks isn't there anymore. <laughs> Whatever will they do? Whatever will they do, Scott? And th and that's a team. 
that you know people really liked them at the beginning of the year last year. They came they came out of the gates and they were three and three, but they were cover machines. You remember that? They had great defense for about three weeks and then they gave up i believe 50 something points in like five other games yeah they gave yeah they give up 63 to florida they give up 50 to mizzou they win that when it was a very entertaining game as they lose to mizzou 50 to 48 i had missouri minus two and a half in that game i remember that outstanding yeah mm-hmm. um so what is let's okay so let's break it down by division what what do you see the order of finish Let's start with Bama's division there in the West. Do you have it, Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU? Do you, anybody sneak in there? You have to. I mean, that's the only three you could have. You can make an argument A&M with the inexperienced quarterback might take a step back, but their schedule is quite favorable. Let's put it that way. I think A&M will be fine. You can make an argument for an old Miss over LSU if you wanted to take a shot there and you think LSU is going to take a step back. What do you think? Yeah, you know, Old Miss is another team with a great, with a absolutely stellar defense and no offense. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be too busy playing the unders on Old Miss games. I'm if if it's a team that could could somehow find some answers on the offensive side of the ball, I like this team. I think I think I said Mississippi State earlier. I meant oh, I meant Old Miss. Old Miss offensively is great because they got Corral and they play up tempo. The defense has been a disaster. What am I backwards? I got have I got it backwards? It was a Mississippi State that had the that had the defense Missi- and no offense. They, yeah, Mississippi State had the Mike Leach offense with a bunch of dump off passes. That's right. Where they defense. Yeah, they allegedly had the Mike Leach offense and, and didn't do anything with it. Ole Miss goes up tempo and they can actually score. They'll just give up fifty five. That's right. That's right. I was I had I had it backwards. Sorry. But Ole Miss, I think you can make an argument if you're not sold in LSU. I think Ole Miss could finish above LSU. I mean, both teams defensively aren't amazing. Brennan's an okay quarterback. I think Corral's the most underrated quarterback in that conference. I think Ole Miss can make some noise. But at the end of the day, top two should be Bama and A&M. And on the other side, I mean, Missouri might get second or third. But there's just Georgia, who's on another level over there. Yep, agreed. You know, this is we're going to learn a lot about this LSU team the first week of their season on September 4th as they go to uh, UCLA, and UCLA will already have a game under their belts. So we're going to find we're going to find out a ton about LSU very very early. We're going to find out a little bit about a lot of these teams early. We're going to find out about Georgia. We're going to find out about LSU. So they are LSU, by the way, very good team to back at home as a big favorite. They are 20 and eight over the last 10 years as a favorite over uh, 14 points at home. So just a little, just a little sidelight for you there. So you have a win total you like? Yeah, I do. I'll let you, I'll let you go first. So for this one, first of all, the SEC was the most annoying conference for me to find a win total that I liked for. Not even not because there weren't spots. But because every single win total, if not all of them, or a lot of them, were just no decimals, it was just flat five wins, flat six wins, flat nine wins. It was so difficult to find value on half of these. So if you can find a half or, you know, of wiggle room, I think you could find some good spots, but those didn't exist. Having said that, my favorite win total is going to be fading the garbage of the conference. I'm fading Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt's win total is three and a half. I found the under at minus 105 in BetMGM. They went 0-9 last year. They brought in Notre Dame's defensive coordinator in Clark Leah as the head coach. They got a brand new offensive coordinator. 
They brought on the defensive mind. The only problem is that they have no talent on defense. This is easily the least talented defense in the entire conference. The offense has Sears, who's a pretty good quarterback, but we know no, Vanderbilt's not exactly a good offensive team, but the defense should be god-awful. Now, out-of-conference schedule is a bit favorable. They play East Tennessee. They play Colorado State on the road, which I think they'll lose. They play Stanford at home, which I think they'll lose. And they play Connecticut at home, which I think they'll win. So I have them going two and two out of conference. In conference, though, Georgia at Florida, at South Carolina, home against Mississippi State, home against Missouri, Kentucky at home, at Ole Miss, and at Tennessee. I don't think they're winning a conference game. So if they're not going to win a conference game, and I think they're going two and two or even three and one at a conference, the only game there is at South Carolina because I think South Carolina is going to be bad, but it's on the road. Vanderbilt's at least a year away defensively. That defense is going to be a train wreck. I'll take the under three and a half at minus 105. All right, very good. I'm going to go with my alma mater, Scott. I'm going to take the Missouri Tigers, and we're going to play over seven. Really? Uh, you're back? You're not taking the under on your favorite team? I know. It's, it's hard to believe. Well, you have to admit, I am a clear-eyed realist when it comes to my teams. I very We ra- both are. I, we very rarely, both of us very rarely get stars in our eyes and make those picks with our heart. But I like this Mizzou team. I like the direction they're headed. They've got, of course, uh, Eli Drinkwitz in from uh, from App State. It's going to be his second season. He's done some good things. He's got a quarterback that's uh, he's got a gun. Scott as Connor Bazelak kid, and I put up four hundred on LSU last season in a victory there. Uh, they can grind it out. They can kind of they can change gears as far as their offense goes. Um, defense was dreadful coming down the stretch. They gave up, I think, 148 in their last four, in their last three games. It was very ugly to watch. Not good at all, but they brought in uh, Steve Wilkes, actually was an NFL head coach for about a second. Uh, very good defensive guy. Um, Mizzou, known for their defensive line, and they've got a couple of good ones here. Where and was he at? Arizona? That's. I think that is correct. I think he was between, he bridged the gap he- between Arians and... Kingsbury? Kingsbury, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, that's what I thought. If I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, and they're bringing in, they're bringing in Mookie Cooper from Ohio State, a big-time wide receiver with some speed. And we'll see what happens. As far as their schedule goes, they're non-con. They've got Central Michigan. They've got Southeast Missouri State. Those are automatic wins. They go to Boston College, and that will be an interesting, an interesting game to see uh, two teams there. We'll, we'll, again, it's not super early. It's the end of September, but we will learn a lot. And then they also have North Texas on the schedule. So let's say worst case scenario, they go three and one there. They have Vanderbilt on the schedule. They've got South Carolina at home. They go to Arkansas. I think we can find some wins there. Give me the Mizzou Tigers over seven. Rawr. I think one thing that kind of annoyed me when going through the SEC was I want to take unders on some teams that I thought were going to be mediocre. I took the under on Vanderbilt anyway, because that team, I think you'd agree with me, is supposed to be god-awful. Can we just acknowledge how all of the mid-tier SEC teams, of, so not including Bama who's playing Miami and, and Georgia who's playing Clemson, could you find bigger layups in your out-of-conference schedule Yeah, not half of these teams? Not many. You know, Tennessee's like going to Pittsburgh, so. They got Tennessee Tech. They got like a team before. No, it's a, I think that's a home game against Pittsburgh, but like. Oh, yeah, that is, it, it is a home game. That's right. Every SEC team in there. That's like middle of the road yeah. as like one FBS team. That's not good. Followed by like two FCS teams. And I'm just like, I can't take it under when you're guaranteed three wins. I Garrett, I, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. But all right, bud. Well, 
that's uh that's gonna wrap it up for our look at the conferences last uh, two weeks. I'm I'm ready, Scott. It's like it's like watching food commercials on TV. I'm I'm ready for the season. And quick reminder, guys. I, I imagine you trying to jump through the TV during food commercials. Really, really, we're gonna, is that where we're going, bud? Okay. I don't know if we're going anywhere, okay. but I mean, all right, very good. Quick reminder, you are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Well, Scott, we uh, talked. Well, actually, sorry, I forgot to ask you. you. You're taking Bama to win the SEC, right? I have to. Okay, because yeah. we—I don't think we officially said what you liked in that. Yes, I, I like, I like, I like Bama coming out of uh, the. Uh, we have the same matchup. It's side. just I'll, I'll live a little. I'll be, I'll be dangerous. I, yeah, I don't. I just don't see it, Scott. I'd like to, you know, I'd, I'd like to not be chalky, but this oh, is, I barely see it too. I just decided to take a stand. Well, I mean that's fine. You're taking. There's two great teams, and you're taking one over the other. I'm taking the other one. So. We're we're not exactly reinventing the wheel here and taking a big shot, but that's how good Bama is. When you take a top five team in the same conference, it feels like you're taking the biggest hot take of all time. Yeah, it's the hot hot take. Film at eleven, Rachel not picking Bama to win the SEC. Yep. All right, so we're winding up the NFL preseason this weekend, starting with games on Friday. Uh, the majority of them will be on Saturday. Then we've got a few Sunday games as well. Scott, anything exciting here for tonight's action? Anything you anything you're looking at there? Well, I am tempted to actually take the points with Philly. And I know that sounds really stupid because Philly's been easily the worst, if not the second worst, preseason team in the league so far. However, Hertz has barely played. He was supposed to play against New England, then he had the stomach issue, went to the hospital for it. I'm expecting him to play a little bit in this spot here. Maybe it's just the first half play on the Eagles because that second half unit's atrocious. But don't you think that they have to show something? Like the Jets learned last week against Green Bay, Zach Wilson's good. They know this. Like he doesn't really need to play in this game at all. They have a couple backup quarterbacks who aren't great. The Eagles have looked so lost in the first two games behind a brand new head coach. Don't you feel like there has to be some kind of urgency early on in this game? <laughs> So you're asking me at some point, don't you have to stop sucking? At least in the first half, because the Jets defense I saw against Green Bay was awful. I mean, they've lost a bunch of guys. Curry's out for the year now with a blood disorder. Uh, You're missing uh, the main guy you signed as a pass rusher who is out for the year with a ruptured Achilles. So I think the Jets just kind of mail it in. I don't think Wilson's going to play that long. I think you'd agree with me that his performance against Green Bay was enough to tell you. He's he's good. Like you, you don't have to bring him out for the third game. Give me Hertz playing a quarter, followed by Flacco. I'll take the Eagles first half. Wow, bold, bold indeed. It's bold, but I think there's logic behind it. Well, and you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at this Kansas City Minnesota game, and I really I, I really try not to be a homer, Scott. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm I've got Mizzou, but you you look at this Minnesota team, and I don't know. You talk about how bad Philly's been in the preseason. I think this Minnesota team has been worse. They've scored. I can't believe Jake Browning made a pl- made a preseason roster. I was gonna say he he ain't there yet, buddy. And uh, you've got Jake Browning and Kellen Mond that are gonna go in this one. You excited? I heard Mond's been atrocious, by the way. They've both been atrocious. They their completion percentage as a, as a duo is forty four percent for the preseason. Well, I don't know so if far. Browning was drafted though. Mond was what a second third round pick. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so that's not good. <laughs> No, he's not good at all. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I don't think he's going to play much in this. Does he even pl- 
you no. know, uh, a drive maybe. Uh, Madison, Madison's out for sure. And there looks like Jefferson could be out. Thielen's out for sure. I don't think Cook's going to get many touches. I don't uh, think he's going to play. So what, are, I mean, he's coming off an injury. So what, what do they do here, Scott? Is there? Is I'm there... copying what we did for the previous uh, bet the farm we did for that matchup. I like the Chiefs first half. Okay. Mahomes should play a little bit. I actually thought that the backup quarterbacks for the Chiefs looked really good in that game. Yeah, the Vikings have nothing. Yeah, they cut so the I'll they cut the Chiefs. They cut the kid that went seven for seven. Oh, they they cut Bouchelle? No, they cut, Gordon. They cut Gordon. That's a shame. Gordon yeah. was actually good. He, they were both good. Yeah, and now they're talking about Bouchelle pushing Henny for the second spot. Henny had that phenomenal throw up the seam though in the second quarter. He's of that he's Arizona game. Not, he's good. Not a bad guy. He's been yeah, he's, he's been play. around forever. I mean. You know, when you look at you look at some of the backup, you know, like your Colt McCoys and that kind of stuff, I think Henny any day. He won you a playoff game last year. He certainly did. He absolutely did. Was able to take care of business against Cleveland after Mahomes got hurt. So I I also like the Colts' first half uh, yeah. against the Lions. Now you might be wondering why they like first halves and why not. Well, if you, then, you, then you haven't then you man. haven't been watching preseason football. If you wonder why we're playing first halves, but you're looking at the Colts. We know Wentz is back. I'm assuming that he's not going to play in this game because he's brittle, but you had two guys who were fighting for the starting quarterback. Uh, job. Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to give some love to Carson Wentz because you can't say he's brittle when he came back six weeks early from the projected time frame on his injury. I just mean the fact that would you really be surprised if he got injured in a preseason game? Well, no, but I mean, they said he's going to be out five to 12 weeks. He's back in three. That's why I'm I saying mean, you probably on. shouldn't use him for okay. preseason. I'll give him props for toughness. But okay. the point I'm trying to say is that Wentz is probably not going to play. You had a quarterback battle for the starting job because you thought he wouldn't be back by week one. You still have a quarterback battle. It's just for the second spot. So I think you'll see Eason and you'll see Ellinger fight for something. Meanwhile, the Lions, Goff's not going to play. The Lions already announced they're basically benching everybody for this game. I'm going to try to avoid Blau. Please let me see Boyle play in the first half. That's really all I ask for. You know, I kind of feel because we got we got screwed on that game last year because I'm I'm reading the reports. Everything I read said Blau wasn't going to play. Bad back, not going to play. I'm like, okay. He was so good. He was so good. Shut up. So Shut good. up. I know. I know. He was just a monster in the yeah. fourth quarter. And I saw him. I saw him kind of like, you're not even supposed to be here. What are him you and doing? CJ Bethard, preseason MVP. I know you and you and your Bethard, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and your brother. Are you gonna are you gonna be on the uh are you gonna be on the Niners? I'm trying to see the Niners. Oh, they host the Raiders, buddy, the Battle of the, the, the Bay that no longer it's is. It's not the Niners, he's on the Jaguars now. Oh, that's right. That's right. My, my bad. My bad. You're right. Um yeah. so you don't think they're going to uh, oh, you got them against your Cowboys. I can't. The Cowboys are the are also a terrible preseason team. I can't, can't uh, touch it. Have you by the way, have you been watching Hard Knocks? No, I heard it was boring. With the Cowboys? I heard it was boring. I didn't see any of it. Okay. All right. I just I just started it yesterday. So good bet. Yeah, it's all right. I just watched the first I just watched the first episode. It's it kind of there's not a lot going on. There's only so much Jerry I can handle. Yeah, it's a lot of Dak, buddy. A lot of Dak. Well, it should be, because you know, his leg snapped into five places. <laughs> yeah. They, it starts off the opening shot is him with a voiceover going, I love scars and showing the scars on his ankle. Nice. So yeah. I heard that Jerry Jones loves a lot of salt on his brisket. <laughs> Very good. All right, Scott. Well, we have reached that point in the show. Man, time just absolutely flies. 
Um, you got any you got any baseball picks? You got any you got any hot ba- baseball picks you want to share with the with the with everybody? I got to be tempted to take Cole. I mean, Manaya has been awful for the last month. I just think the Yankees are underpriced. And I know you were a big Manaya fan, right? I was until the last month when his ERA turned nine in August. Yeah, he's been he's been no bueno, my friend. I don't I don't I don't hate that. And I'm just uh, I'm just trying to see if there's anything else. You know, I don't mind. I can't believe Rich Hill's a, a minus two twenty favorite with the Mets. You know, Espe- I can't believe the Mets are favored by two twenty. Espino hasn't been hasn't been great, but I got I got to go auto fade with him. I'm getting that kind of price on the on the Washington Nationals. We had the same conversation two weeks ago. Yeah, I think my favorite play on the board has got to be Gausman and Freed under right eight and a half. I, I like Freed there. Yeah, uh, Gausman has been definitely not as sharp He's lately. Leaking Freed, leaking a little oil coming down the stretch. Freed in August. 0.67 ERA. Yeah. He's been out. Guy's been nails. He's been outstanding. And you're getting a good price on them. Yeah. Uh, minus 125. Now, mm-hmm. see, that's a case after we just absolutely roasted the odds makers for not respecting San Francisco. I think that's a game where you and I are both on Atlanta going. Yeah, yeah I am. San Francisco sucks. So I like, yeah, I like, I think the unders. Uh, you want to play San Francisco team total under? I don't hate that. Probably going to get it four and a, uh, four and I'm a half. I'm just going to take it. I'm, I'm just going to take Atlanta first five. I'll fade Gaussman. You don't want to get you going to get too fancy. Yeah, that makes no, sense. Not going to bother. I li- obviously like McClanahan over Matt Harvey. Stop the presses. Run line. Yeah, I think that's. A, I think it's a good run line play. You should be able to get that somewhere in the minus one sixty range, one fifty something like that. Yeah, probably. Uh, all right, very good. All right, Scott. Well, let's take a look and see what our last play of the week is here. These are the ones we had to put our heads together. We had to do it. Come up with our best play where you had to put all your chips in the middle. This is the play we would pick, everybody. It is time once again. Strap on those overalls. Put on your straw hat. Get up on that John Deere and fire that baby up because you're getting ready to bet the farm. Well, Scotty, how'd we do yesterday? We had the Diamondbacks over three and a half runs, and they killed that one. They scored eight runs. Didn't take long, did it? No, it didn't. That was an absolutely beautiful thing. All righty. That is our Bet the Farm victory music. And we're going to see if we can keep it rolling here again in this one. I mentioned before, we're taking our first college play of the season. And that's exactly what we're going to do. Taking a look in the Big Ten as uh, a couple of farm teams are going at it. Scott, well, at least one farm team, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Taking on Illinois there in Champagne. We're going to look at the total of 55. We like the under right here. Now, Illinois, no more Lovey Smith. They've got a brand new coaching staff. Should take some time to build up some offensive rhythm on this team. Now, Nebraska, they are an under machine, especially on the road. They were 5-0 to the under in road games last year, 7-1 under overall. And Illinois, when they are a home dog of a small amount, 7 or less, Scott, over the last 15 games, they are 13-2 and two to the under. A lot of great trends, a lot of new moving parts to not run smoothly. I think defenses will have their way. Maybe, probably not going to be a 14-7 barn burner, but I do believe they stay under the total of 55. Yeah, not really much more to add. It's first game of the season. We think it'll be sloppy. We like the under. Very good. All right, guys, and that's going to do it for this week of Winners and Winders Radio. Thanks for watching us. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you all being here. You guys have a great weekend. Come back and see us Monday on Winners and Winders Radio. Take care, everybody.